there's going to be unexpected events and you need to have enough time to be able to deal with that aspect. One of the ways we can deal with that is by having the things that we can prepare in advance done. So whether it's, you know, having everything set up in the calf shed, your tags ordered, you know, your milking parlor serviced, having, you know, scrapers and everything serviced, as many things as you can done beforehand. Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. It's a new year and weeks out from spring calving. We caught up with Marion Beecher to discuss a recent case study of dairy farmers who achieve an average eight hour working day across the farming year. So yeah, so that study um, was part of a wider study and this was just um, four case study farms that we looked at. Um, and when we break it down, we look at the the labour input contributed by the farmer and the family accounts for almost 80% of the total workload. Um, and then I suppose the choice is then for the individual farmer to choose whether they use contractors or hired workers or a mixture of both to to make up that shortfall. Um, and then when we look at it even further, we see that the farmer has um, an average working day of about almost eight hours per day for the year. So that's really comparable, I guess, to other um, industries and sectors. Um, and even for those who are working as, um, you know, paid employees. So um, despite, you know, farmers being, I suppose, self-employed. And then I suppose the other thing was, uh, when we interviewed those four farmers and when we asked them, you know, what, ask them what kind of was prioritizing or what was driving their um, interest and their um, achievement of labor efficiency um, and achieving that 55 hour work week, all of them were absolutely adamant that the seasonal compact calving system was key to them achieving that, provided. Um, that the other elements such as, you know, um, having more people, other people, so the contractors, family or, or hired workers, the facilities, the technologies and practices were in place. And that number in terms of eight hours per day is a really interesting one, Marion, because the, the perception is that we work day and night uh, on farms. So, you know, I suppose, how is that different? Like you mentioned compact calving, but I suppose the, the working day, what does it look like? Yeah, and I suppose that's a really important point. It does vary throughout the year. And, you know, obviously in springtime, you know, the days can be longer. But equally, when we look um a lot of the studies that we've done to date, um, there's still huge flexibility within the working day. So um, a recent study by Connor Hogan would have saw, seen that um, farmers in the springtime were able to take up to about four hours per day um, off during the day for for other activities. So they may have started early and finished relatively late, but they would have had breaks during the day um, as well. So it, it, I suppose it's important to note that. And then I suppose when we look at it throughout the year, um, it can reduce down. So like if we think about in in you know late. November, December, January, when their spring calving systems are traditionally, you know, cows are dried off and um, the workday can be much shorter at that stage as well. Also, you mentioned uh, family farm labour. 
and the contribution of the family. What sort of tasks do you typically see um, family contributing to the overall picture? And I suppose, again, it's very varied on the individual farm. Uh, but when we look at, I suppose, the case study farms that we had in this study, so those four farms, um, it varied from one farm having an uncle who really enjoyed um uh, doing some of the contracting pieces, so bringing the the bales during the the summer period, um, and helping move cattle or, or cows now and then, um, to another farm where the farmer's partner would help out with the calf rearing during springtime, um, and I think uh, yeah, two out of the four farms had um children who would have helped out again with the calf rearing um during springtime as well. So it varies, but generally uh you're looking at I suppose some some milking tasks, calf rearing to a large degree, um, and then perhaps some admin tasks as well. And it's it's a really interesting one because um often when there's succession on farms and the next generation um you know I suppose is is the main labor unit, people often talk about their parents and you know, if if they go away for a break for a couple of days, the amount of work and or the extra work that needs to be done because they're not there, and it's it's a lot of unseen work. Um, and you know, I suppose in those instances, it's um really appreciated. Exactly, and that's it. And like, um, I didn't actually mention that one of the other farms had a father who would help out and who loved doing you know bits of repairs and maintenance jobs, whereas. The, the farmer um, who had taken over, um, you know, hated those jobs and would have would have, you know, gotten somebody in to do them. But instead, he was his father was there and was, was happy to, you know, repair the odd shoot here and there or, you know, do jobs like going to the, the co-op to pick up, you know, certain things or going down to the vet to pick up other things and vaccines, etc. So, you know, <laughs> there's no shortage of work on a dairy farm. So there's loads of things that could be, you know, there's a role for everybody, I think. <laughs> For sure. And again, to come back to that headline figure of 55 hours per week, you know, if if, if I've done the sums right, that's 3000 hours per year or 24 hours per cow. So on those four case study farms you've looked at, where do they lie in terms of, I suppose, their labour efficiency relative to, you know, your top average or bottom farm on labour efficiency? Two of those farms came from um, a study that was completed by Justine Deming and, and Bernie O'Brien um, back uh, in about 2017. Um, and so, so that was there were the farms that we had full year long data for. Um, and those farms would be representative of basically your average farm within that cohort. Um, and they, that study looked specifically at um, farms that were labour efficient or they asked advisors to nominate clients who had who, who they deemed as labour efficient. Um, and I said they, they ranged within in pretty much the average. So there was a range from about 13 hours per cow per year up to about almost 40 hours per cow per year in that study. So um, the farmers in this current study, so these four farms were coming out as, um, you know, the average. So so quite good. Um, so I suppose it just highlights that, you know, this this can be done on farms um, and there is huge scope for for farmers who, who you know, may have a longer working week to, to improve if they so wish. And to come then specifically to target areas, um, you know, obviously you mentioned there's there's always a bit of room for improvement, but w- within this, 
Um, I know there was a couple of area, areas identified, um, farm facilities, work practices, uh, technologies and work organisation. Uh, maybe to look to farm facilities first, one or two things that stuck out that will, um, I suppose, work towards labour efficiency or not. Yeah, so so one of the things is around, I suppose, the milking facilities because I suppose milking, you know, accounts for you know just over a third of the overall working year. So anything that you can do to improve that is going to make a huge difference on your overall efficiency. Um, and I suppose the ideal in that scenario is to have. Um, you know, less than eight rows per cow, ideally seven, sorry, ideally seven or eight rows of cows um, per milking. So I suppose that's kind of the target and having uh, having that will will um, make a huge difference. And I suppose the other one of the other areas is around the um, calving because again, or calf rearing, because again, you know, in a seasonal system, that's kind of the second most um, time-consuming task on a farm um, and actually having you know a purpose-built calf shed ideally one but perhaps even you know just two calf sheds where you might you know some farmers might prefer to keep the calves that they're selling in a separate shed so you know minimal number of calf sheds um, is ideal because I suppose that way you're minimizing your traveling um, you know whether it's walking or whatever between sheds and transporting of milk if you are um, if you don't have a, an automatic calf feeder and, and then to work practices Marion yeah so so one of the things there that came out in terms of uh, for this case study farms was the um, around I suppose the the cow, the cow care task and um, which again it would be one of the third I think is around the third most time consuming task and in, in the spring farm is um around having group calving pens. So, you know, having um not having individual cows um in calving pens. So having a group pen can make a huge difference. Um and, and as well as that is minimizing, you know, hand scraping of passages or yards, etc. And then to technologies. Yeah, so again, there's a huge range of, of things there. And if we, again, look at the, the case study farms that we looked at and which would be a, a seen in, in all the studies that we've done is the use of, I suppose, automatic calf feeders um, and then also the, the use of automatic heat detection um, for cows, so the use of, you know, collars. Um, and then a lot of the milking stuff, so around the use of ACRs, dump lines, um, drafting facilities can make a huge difference on farms. An interesting, you, you mentioned the heat detection, the the automation with collars. A lot of farms that I've been on in the last year who have invested in the technology have mentioned, I suppose, outside of heat detection, the overall health monitoring of the cows and you know picking up a cow that might be you know on the way to getting sick in advance and therefore I suppose eliminating the problem and eliminating the time spent with treatment and, and calling out the vet I'm not sure is that something that you observed in this study Marion? Um, we didn't look at that Emma-Louise but it's, it's a really good point and I think there is um, a research study that will be starting looking at the effectiveness of the, those technologies, you know, those key collars to or the collars to be able to pick up health um, issues, but I think it's a really important point to 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 make that I suppose it's, it's it can be a really useful way um, if you've got somebody coming in and working on your farm that may not be as up to speed 
with your own individual cows that this could be a, an extra additional thing that could be used to um i suppose help manage those cows so you know the person coming in mightn't be sure if she's if she is she a bit lame is she not or is she a bit you know is she getting sick or is she not um and then they've got the backup i suppose of looking being able to look at the data um to see you know are they are they right or are they wrong as well so i, I suppose it is gives an extra bit of, extra set of flexibility i suppose to the farmer that they can you know i suppose maybe have a bit more freedom in terms of taking a bit more time away from the farm as well hopefully and and finally then marion work organization any of the top things that farmers are finding labor efficient in this category yeah so a lot of things here one of the main things would be around you know having a set um evening finish time so setting it at you know six five o'clock whatever it is whatever suits the farm and, and the farmer um so having a structure around the working day um and actually completing fewer tasks or i suppose not jumping between tasks ideally during the day and also um completing office work in the morning and doing it regularly as well you know in the coming weeks the, the busiest period of time, as you, you've acknowledged it in seasonal compact calving systems, you know, is upon us, um, you know, and farmers will be in it in the next couple of weeks. Can you give us your top tips for, you know, what people can do between now and the onset of calving to make sure they're set up as best as possible? Yeah, so I think the first thing is, you know, 2023 has been an extremely tough year in, in many ways. And I think, you know, one of the best things we could do is look after ourselves. So, you know, taking it easy, resting as much as we can, you know, going to the doctor for a checkup, you know, getting a break when you can is going to be hugely important. And then I think the next thing is around, you know, preparing as much as you can in advance. Um, obviously, you know, you mightn't be able to do everything, but by doing that, it allow you the time or allow people the time to deal with that unexpected event because there will be unexpected events, whether it's a weather event, whether it's a down cow, a sick cow, you know, something else happening completely off the farm. Um, there's going to be unexpected events and you need to have enough time to be able to deal with that um, aspect. And by we can do one of the ways we can deal with that is by having the things that we can prepare in advance done. So whether it's, you know, having everything set up in the calf shed, your tags ordered, you know, your milking parlor serviced, having, you know, scrapers and everything um, serviced, um, as many things as you can done beforehand. And then I think the next thing to look at is, you know, okay, is there anything from spring 2023 that didn't work so well that we could do differently this spring? Um, whether that's, you know, making small changes to um, how milk is transported or, you know, investing in um, a refractometer to test the, the colostrum, whatever it is, you know, being able to review and put things in place um, to make things, I suppose, a little bit easier um, this year, I think will will benefit everybody. And then I suppose finally, it's, you know, it's making sure that you have enough people where possible in place so that you have, you know, enough work, that you have all the work um, covered um, again where possible. So, you know, maybe maybe you would have always had a worker and that person's unavailable. So you might need to get um, a contractor in, to, you know, to spread some of the fertilizer or a bit more of the slurry or whatever it is. So um, to look at alternatives as well. I think that's a good note to finish on and some 
good pointers um, to get us off on the right foot. And I think that the first thing, you know, looking after ourselves, um, was the, the research shows that the the farmer is the I suppose primary provider of labour on the farm, and they need to be right in order to make sure everything is humming for the calving season. Thank you, Marion. Thank you, Emily. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Marion Beecher for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and listen on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.